This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, I'm Mark Watson. And I'm Michael Tacrovetti. Welcome to Mankind. We talk to a fantastic range of guests about, well, masculinity. Where does it come from? What does it mean? And what is it, basically? Every week we loosely... Very loosely. Sometimes very loosely talk about issues around maleness, gender identity, that sort of thing. What makes people people, really? Exactly. Hello again, a Monday tradition here. Uh, Michael is... Michael is here, I'm about to say there. Michael is here. One way of introducing yourself is to walk into a room and say, Michael is here. <laughs> Michael is here. Mark is also here. <laughs> and Mankind Podcast is here. <laughs> and in the um, spirit of our guest, I should hit the table, shouldn't I? There you are. Yes, so our guest today is an old friend of mine, um, performer and multifaceted personality. Table John, hitter. John Robertson. But yes, one facet of his personality is when he starts to warm into the conversation, he whacks the table sometimes. So we're warning you of that in case there's any uh, unexpected noise. It's just, uh, it's the passion of our guest. He's a brilliant, brilliant guest. A really far-reaching conversation. Um, this conversation does talk about um, the death of his father. So if you're just not feeling about feeling that today, then that's totally cool. Feel free to give this one a miss. But it is a gorgeous conversation. We talk about so much. He's I'm just gonna, funny. He is funny. He's, he's a fascinating guy. Mm. I was thinking I might hit the table just because I want to be in on it. Very nice. There you go. So look out for some of those. I'm, as everyone knows, Mark Watson, and next to me is Michael Chakverti in a typically, uh, I'll say, beautiful jumper. Oh, thank you for that. It feels a bit too. It feels a bit too much. I feel like we're in the spring now, and it's too. It's too warm. But we're going to go with it anyway. And it's also very, very smart for a podcast. But then you always, you. You always do thank do you. that. I make, an, I make an effort. Uh, and opposite us, and it's really more about him than us actually. Is, <laughs> <laughs> despite this start, John Robertson, an old hey. friend of mine. Hello, Hello, John. How are you? Hello, my darling. I'm um, I'm very well, and I like the fact that you would start with. I'm as everyone knows, Mark Watson. <laughs> I everyone, everyone knows Mark Watson. Well, what I suppose what I mean is nobody listening to this will be surprised to hear oh, me introduce myself. I wouldn't no. it be great if they were? Every oh, here he is again. <laughs> yeah, how do you keep getting this gig? <laughs> how do they keep booking Mark Watson again and again? You'd think he'd be busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. more than fifty episodes streak for Watson. Now they, they must have they must be paying him so well. Also because because it, it is like quite early in like comedian time for what's going on. When you came through the door. Uh, because you had your hoodie over your shirt, I went. Oh, good, Mark. Where's his merch as well? And then you've taken it off. I was like, Oh, it's Socrates. Yeah, that's, no, no. I, I, that's um, adorable. <laughs> I, I do have a yeah, I have a face on my shirt, but it's not my. I don't. Think it looks I've ever, like you, yeah, Socrates. Socrates looks, looks like, like Mark Watson. Yeah, feed him some hemlock. 
I'm trying to think if I've ever worn a T-shirt, which is my own merchandise. It would be a pretty sort of I've done big ball. Of course you have, yeah. I've got one here. I'm wear, I wear it to the gym. <laughs> you're, you're never without Robertson no, it, merchandise. It's very important. We do the Mankind Lives and you wore Mankind merch. Oh, that's true, yeah. But a T-shirt <laughs> that just said Mark Watson would be actually quite funny. Oh, that'd I, be great. It'd be so uncharacteristic. A new, no, it, would, it would be so helpful. People would just think captioning was happening in front of you. Yeah, actually, it would be a good accessibility move <laughs> yeah, to, to uh, <laughs> walk around with my own subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know who you are, mm. how would you describe yourself? Oh, um, I'm John Robertson, a man who uh, recently discovered that his onstage persona is not him. Uh, in, in recently? The, yes. Sure. Uh, it, let's just put it this way. Uh, for friends and family, tiresomely recently, <laughs> did, I, did I make this discovery? Um, I, I'm an author. I created the live-action video game The Dark Room. My uh, Twitch streams have raised um, oh, something like £150,000 for charity. Um, um, and yeah, just a, uh, a sort of, um, despite my uh, <laughs> deep voice in the moment and sort of not this energy not really going anywhere, uh, sort of rabble-rousing ratbag and... Uh, rabble-rousing ratbag, yeah. that's a nice title. It's a, it's a lovely title. And it's, it's rabble-rousing is a good description of what John does, which is... Um, well, he will yell at you on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, it, it, you know, it's it's cajoling into a party entirely. You'll have fun under my terms. It's true. Sure. So you won't have come across it, Michael, but um, the thing uh, John mentioned, this signature show called The Dark Room, and the audience basically collectively plays this uh, kind of uh, 80s retro video game where you have to find your way out of a dark room, uh, and John is at the helm, and you have to keep making choices, go into this room, pick up this object... But it's impossible, and you always die. Yeah, the, sure. uh, to save you the trouble yeah, it, of. Uh, it, it, it's it's brutal, and um, I could really tell. Like when I started doing it, I could tell what countries I was in because in the UK they would go, mm, this um sort of innovative fusion of uh, multimedia and Brecht, um, you know, and like all of this, and then the Australians, went, oh, some video game shit. I don't. Know. <laughs> it's a bit of both of those. Yeah. I would say. Oh, you're doing some of that nerd shit. That thing you do. Oh. And the truth is halfway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John is um John's also notable in um. Mankind history for well, I don't know if this is the first time it's happened, but John was cited as a an example a of a male model. model by a previous guest. What Bethany? Black. Yeah, we always ask people. Oh! Yeah, mm. this is ages ago. Bethany was. We must have been. Oh, yeah. it was ages ago. Well, things have changed. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, much uh, worse. No, of course. <laughs> this is what, when you were briefly in in fashion. Yeah. Oh, good. I, um, when was that? Oh, That's you, never happened to me. No, it's a shame you didn't know at the time. Shit, um, you were massive in twenty twenty. <laughs> The one person to have had their peak in that well, year. Well, I was depression eating in lockdown. I was massive in 2020. Yes. But, I've um, never looked so much like my father. <laughs> and, he, and he's very dead. <laughs> we'll get to that. I know. We'll get to him. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, Look, that happens every therapy session I do, so yes, we will. We always ask people, um, among the very few kind of standardised questions, it is a question about what men... Well, we've phrased it different ways, but what what men do you look up to or who do you see as a good example of masculinity and so on? And uh, for whatever reason, Beth went, went for you. Good yeah, God. I think it's, it's a long time since that episode, but I think she talked about... She hasn't yet retracted either, to be fair. No, no, oh, officially no. that is still on the record. <laughs> I think she talked about you being, and I might be misremembering this, but having certain uh, what seems superficially 
masculine qualities or traits and yet also being very gentle and empathetic and oh. so, you know straddling the best of traditional masculinity and untraditional masculinity again I'm paraphrasing oh. heavily and by paraphrasing I mean I can't remember the conversation <laughs> at all to, to but she definitely op- did say you <laughs> well, well the really puerile part of me is sort of going oh I love straddling things Mark thank you very much I had the word straddle yeah, yeah I know I was right. Right. so it's only me that you straddle there without any sort of there was, a, there was, a, there was certainly yeah. a tension in the room once you'd said the word mm. yes yeah. I suppose oh, no, but that's um, oh that's incredible actually it's funny even though that's you need nice to just quickly um, note that John's able to accept a compliment there. That yes, was nice, wasn't uh, it? Yes, well, I'm getting better at it. Well, uh, it was, it was very, oh, yeah, he, what? Uh, yeah, Mark we, can't accept you say, a compliment? You say, you've got this lovely top, Mark, and he's like, I look like shit. Well, no, historically, okay, I have struggled with this. Have but you? I, I have, I'm getting better Never at it. Never knowingly uh, in my seeing have you struggled with this. Oh, Interesting. There's, there's my friend Mark Watson, the ubermensch, the greatly talented human being. <laughs> Hello, John, you'll say, eating the compliment alive. Mm. <laughs> so perhaps it depends on the company, Michael. Perhaps it depends. Oh, is, that, is that correct? Really? Uh, it's fair to say I hope oh. um, uh, there is a uh, kind of a self-effacing or negative side of me which oh. occasionally surfaces. And, but I think the, the unwillingness to accept a compliment is quite... Mm. Uh, yeah, I get Quite top a widely it. noted trait in a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, look, we're all amazing people. Well, yeah, you are. I mean, that, th- this is partly why I'm like slightly astonished because, I mean, it makes sense in like your onstage persona and, and I yeah. can see you doing it. But I think what all I'm really saying is, oh, I just want you to have your compliments, Mark. Yeah, I'm your, <laughs> you're a hero. You're a, yeah, you, you are a hero of mine. You know, you always have been. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is the problem, Michael. Maybe I'm just not comfortable with compliments that aren't fulsome enough. Maybe if everyone sure. said things like you're in the top five people I've ever met. Oh, well, well, that's that fun with that. To be, to be fair, that wasn't said. No, but it was heavily implied. I love the number that so, went on. There. Well, <laughs> no, Mark, Mark's aware. I don't, I, I don't necessarily always enjoy um, Mark. Well, no, stop that. How <laughs> dare you? Who are you? I'm talking to Mark. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you, John. You're, oh. very, you're very welcome, Mark. Don't worry about it. Um, I would like to talk about the... Uh, kind of linking to the first question, sort of, but we'll we'll put that to the side for the moment. You were saying you've realised there's a difference between your on-stage mm. persona and you in real life. Yeah. And the on-stage persona is the shouting well, well I, I do that in real life there, i mean there, there are two guys that i that i do because right. the dark room is a well he's a killer mm-hmm. um but running a show that he happens to now enjoy and so he's become sort of like a um a sort of convivial homicidal party host mm-hmm. uh whereas uh, Which again is a good description of your real oh, personality oh, thank, thank you <laughs> um, where, whereas the other guy which is just what i've started calling him now is just oh the other guy because mm-hmm. people will come up to me afterwards and go oh i remember when you stole my pint or i remember when you jumped on this i was like oh i didn't do that right. the, the other guy did that the guy who can exist for 20 minutes and then leaves right because sure. that's what he's meant to do mm-hmm. you know like i still get deeply excited and i do all manner of really exciting stupid things because it pleases me to do so but yeah I realise that guy is me just incredibly astonished by everything he's seen and everything's remarkable and usually he's an excuse to get my shirt off Sure. You know that was an that was an artistic experiment I did uh, last year. I, I I was watching some Iggy Pop and then I watched him do an interview and I went, oh my god, it's deliberate. I thought I just thought he was a moron. Yeah, right. no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, well, then David and I we were in the same mime class, and you're like, oh, it's it's oh, it's the designed. Character. So yeah. for, for a year I ripped my shirt off at almost every gig to see what it did, and people just go, oh, you're an idiot. You, uh, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> 
it's funny how often the supposed persona is just boils down to just I like getting quite naked. Actually. Yeah, I've seen a lot of comedians do that mm. basically. Well, um, yeah. well, but who, who, yeah. where would you say the real uh, the real John is among all of these oh. uh, on stage? Well, I, well, what I, I it's hard actually because like since I was a, a kid, the thing that people would do is they would. And my parents never did this, but just, you know, when strangers just say really unthinking things, mm. uh, they would go, oh, you're, um, you're, you're doing a, another character. You're doing this, you're doing that, right? Your voice isn't real, you know, all this, all this stuff. And it just means that you just become aware of your behavior. And so everyone is different with different people. Like, I got called out for this by a German comic who heard me talking in Australia and then heard me talking over here and went, I noticed, John, that, you know, when you are at home, you're actually a middle-class boy. And you come out here like you're going to rip the guts out of the alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and he's, I'll tell you! you Yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, um, but it's just one of those things where um, I'm just communicating in a way that when I'm on stage, I'm communicating in a way that's going to bring me the most attention, Mm. right? And then I can change it up. But yeah, what I've I've realised in the end, and and it took my brain exploding, (laughs) and I won't go into it too hard, but just, you know, it took almost total self-destruction to go... Oh, well, what do you know? Um, this family I have and, and my wife and, you know, all my friends and, and all this stuff and all these relationships I have. Um, oh, I, I also exist in this. It's, it's not just like, a, like I'm a very loving person, but I, I could sort of, um, I, I'll occasionally just become a process. Mm. So it's like, well, I'm, I'm loving you and that's the thing I'm doing and I have nothing else and, you know, and, and all this and I, I've poured myself into things. So it's, I, I've, I've, I've had whole like maybe three year periods where I poured myself into something and then I wake up afterwards and go, what did I do? Mm. What, what was that? And it's always, oh, we did a lot of work. It's like, oh yeah. So it's like trying to be more present, I suppose, in yeah. the thing. And- yeah, but without going to a mindfulness lecture or something <laughs> like that. I can feel the wind on my elbows. <laughs> I always find that really stressful. Like at the end of like a yoga class and they're just like, feel the air circulate through your spine. And I'm like, well, that that's not possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to think about my spine. I think we yeah. should perhaps Feel be in a hospital. the gaslighting coming into your ears. <laughs> I yeah. find it really difficult. I can't, mm. I can't do mindfulness, really. I find it very stressful. I went to a mindfulness uh, thing because I was told, oh, you're going to do group therapy. And I had that kind of um, bleak but romantic notion of the, the men in the chairs, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, in the circle with the cigarettes and the coffee. Yeah. And... Yeah, I showed up and I realised, oh, this is a charlatan. This is just a person who's taken some quasi-Buddhist shit and um, is talking about stuff that makes no medical sense and I don't have any of the problems these people have and this is very expensive and I'm going to leave. And no cigarettes, I bet. No cigarettes. No coffee? No, no coffee. No oh, coffee. no, no, just just a Buddhist symbol, right? Sure. And then the presence of a worksheet. When the worksheet came out, I went, oh, we're done. Well, what was the worksheet? Oh, yeah. was the worksheet? oh ridiculous. I'm not paying to do a worksheet. No, exactly. It's, well, it's a, I mean, well, a scam well, that we didn't well, get paid for school. Let's, let's just put it this way. Uh, maybe once in a... After my father died, my mother, in her grief, went looking for meaning, right? Mm. And she needed something to kind of bolster her son. So wh- only once, and this, this lasted literally half a session, right was I sent off to a self-esteem building course that turned out to be attached to Landmark Forum, which, of course, is Scientology for people who are too corrupt for Scientology. Right. And um, out came... Which is saying something. Oh, yeah. Out came the worksheet and watching a video where a man slowly and hypnotically kept saying, you're not stupid, which I knew. 
and didn't understand. And it was just a long, engaging, unpleasant scam. I nearly got brought yeah. into Scientology once. I think I've told the story before. Oh, have yeah. I? I'm not sure I remember that, no. But long story short, I thought I was doing a personality quiz, but it turned out they were trying to like make out that I was miserable. But yep, the video yep. that I watched was right. the you are not happy. Yep. Um, and I yep. did have a bag full of wine that I mm. bought, as in like eight or nine bottles that clinked every time I moved, which yeah. didn't help me <laughs> kind of help, yeah. uh, <laughs> combat yeah. that sense of... Yeah, I mean, I've nearly always got a bag of wine. I can't afford, <laughs> if I run into, Anytime I run into what? a Scientologist, they've got a case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of my abiding memories of you the first time we met and worked together is you, and it, w- it was just great, because, I mean, you must have been about 28, right? I, uh, yes, I was. I met you in, in Perth. Yeah, yeah, very, very long time ago yeah. now. Um, 15 years. Is this, you know, this sort of creature appears backstage, and, and it's his show, and I'm just opening for him. And he shows up, and he's got this beautiful bottle of red wine. I'd never had red wine. You went, oh, hello, John. Um, would you? And he poured me a red wine. And then he went, oh, I'm just trying to remember, because this, this show isn't the new show. It's the last show I was doing. And then you drank all of the red wine and went out and did this flawless word-for-word thing. Yes, it's almost as if I'm sort of... um better with wine than without it and it's almost as if that has led to all sorts of questions yeah, <laughs> now, yeah but, I mean, we could talk about that if you want because well, i've done that too we can actually but i think we should probably i mean we've you've already um kind of alluded to quite a lot of um <laughs> this is what happens mental package you, exactly yeah my guy goes um, you said a lot <laughs> yes I, I'm, I'm gonna sort of i'm gonna drag you back to, well i think for, okay. the, for the for the um listeners good we should mm. start somewhere near the beginning um what do you first think of when you think of the word masculinity oh, yes what? Jesus. There you go. Yes, that's our first proper question. Normally. Well, what I you think th- of Jesus is what I heard. There. No, oh, no, Jesus. I don't. Although he, I did. My dad was an employee of his. No, I. Um, <laughs> the more you mention your dad, the more pressing it is. To yeah. get oh, onto we're going to get to it. There's a pin there. My dad um, isn't the first thing I think of when I think of masculinity because it took me a long time to see mas- like masculinity when I was a kid existed in two forms. There was a sort of uh, beneficial, strong masculinity, which was Hulk Hogan and G.I. Joe and the Ninja Turtles. And Not the first time the turtles have come up. Oh, of course. Not, Not by a long way. No, and Donatello no. is absolutely mine. You know, I, I like the one who's off doing his own thing but has the biggest stick and fuck off, incidentally. You know, like that's, um, but then the other thing was just kind of expressed by, like, men. The idea of men that I grew up with was men were large, hairy paunchy things who screamed and liked football and couldn't handle it when the woman left, you know, and drove around in the new car that they'd built, you know, they'd bought or built or whatever and, you know, threw a brick through your window and all this shit, mm. right? My father, of course, wasn't like that at all. But the reason I don't immediately go, oh, well, masculinity is this combination of strength and gentleness that was embodied by my dad is it took me a long time to see masculine traits as anything positive if they weren't being delivered by essentially a cartoon character. Mm. Yeah, uh, we might as well at this point, well, that sounds very um, cursory, but let's talk about your dad at, okay. at this stage. What, what was he like? Well, he was a, um, I mean, he was, he was, a, he was a, lot, a lot like me, which is a nice thing to, to say. And also because he died when I was 10, I'm sort of, um, I'm spared the burden of ever having to re-examine that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm never going to be that guy. Yeah, I'm never going to get tired of how much like me he is, and I can pour as ev- whatever I want of who I am now into the idea of well, he was like that, and you know, um, but he was a a priest and a journalist. He was a workaholic who still managed to find time, like an incredible amount of time, for his only son. Uh, he was physically strong. He'd been an A grade rugby referee, right? He could do all of this stuff. And he struggled every single day 
with just the most profound depression because mm. he just like he'd escaped just hideous abuse when he was a child mm. and had become like a community leader and a, a fun public speaker you know and a good a good writer and just like everything he did at one point or another like without the god thing i've tried to do at one point like you know it, it for me i i will never be able to escape the intrinsic feeling that it's good to have an office it's always good you have an office in your house because my dad had an office mm. you know if you get a writing job you sit down you get all of it done mm. you know you get all of it done you write it out you know quickly right that's a combination of dad and the beatniks you know stuff like that yeah are you even conscious that these are things from your as you're doing oh, it? Oh, you just, absolutely. That's yeah. why. I, that's why they feel good. Yeah. Like right. I, I will sometimes I have shirts that I call architect shirts, which are long blue shirts, which because my grandfather was an architect and he was another man like this. Mm. You go up to the office that's upstairs. You go and you, you do get your the work, work done. You yeah. come downstairs and you're beautiful with your family. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, they, and it was a terrific, terrific thing. And um, yeah. The when I was a kid, the thing that like my mum told me it was like well you know your dad saw you doing um forward flips one time you know on on the trampoline and he wept because he was so proud of you it's like well that's a really lovely thing mm. also on balance probably a lot of antidepressants at work there <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, forward flips aren't that great yeah you know, like, ah, you know oh look at the boy yeah. look at everything yeah. christ uh you know i always uh, wanted a trampolinist yeah ah, you know he's agile um <laughs> but when i when i was a kid the thing that i was proudest of that my father had done because uh, I was I appreciated his gentleness with me but what I admired because I had never experienced in a negative way other than you know like shit men and kind of you know being bullied at school is he had a benevolent force and the thing that I was proudest of was that when my mother <laughs> who's a very small woman very powerful but a very physically small woman they bought me a bunk bed right and they went and they, it was just down the road, this shop that you could get this from. And they, they carried it down. Mm. And they're in the house. And there are just these two youths have just showed up, as mum said at the time. These two youths, right? And Youths are real I mum love words. the word. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and they, they're there. And what happens is mum goes, yeah, you know, they, they, they looked at me. And I went, what are you doing here? And they went, oh, we're just looking for the toilet, you know, which is the, the thing that, you know, they say to sort of outfox you while they're. And then, then she just goes, and then there was just this look of fear in their eyes and I thought oh I've got them and I turned around and your father was behind me with a hammer John <laughs> sure. and so, I, he, so he had that side oh uh, well him. he was five foot ten and he looked like Rasputin right <laughs> like the nicest qualities that I have of him are that I got his brow and I got his eyes and I got his jaw like I have the physiognomy like he used to hide this with a huge beard, right? But I, you know, again, like Rasputin. I yeah, exactly. Well, that yeah. was the bit. Like I remember the first time I discovered Rasputin, I was like, "Evil Dad." You know? <laughs> He's not even evil, but you know, <laughs> deeply misunderstood, sex fiend Dad. Yeah, you know, this is fun. But yeah, like Dad, Dad was powerful, and he had size. You know, he had had all of this stuff, and yeah, I never had to experience him. Like we never, I, he wasn't alive long enough for us to have to compete. And it would have yeah. been horrible because I would have, like, I know what I'm, I'm like. I would have, uh, for a long time in my life, I would have sought to destroy him. Mm. You know, because I know my mum showed me some writing he did once. And I was older than he was when he did the writing. And I read it and I went, well, that's shit. You yeah. know, I was like, oh, you think that's good? I'll show you how to write something, son. <laughs> you know, and there you go in that one moment. But when you were yeah, 10, how did you process lo losing him? Oh, I didn't. Right. I didn't process it um, at all. Uh, I went numb for, oh, I mean, just... 
a fair spread of years. Um, things would manifest themselves uh, in unexpected ways, as as they will, uh, where I, like I couldn't really leave home for too long, you know, because I'd just be freaked out and stuff like that. And I just, yeah, I went cold and I... I won't say joking about it helped because it didn't. It didn't help shit. It amused some people mm. and I felt good doing that, but it didn't help me process anything. I ah, just I, I just feel seen, as they say. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know, I just became very good at using the words lithium, Prozac, suicide, and amusing my little friends by doing an act out of my father's final moments, which I can tell you was a wonderful thing to do. Like because they were uncomfortable but amused and it was mm. something. Um but it's yeah. very easy to feel as a comedian that you there is some sort of actual catharsis in, in doing no, that, no whereas all you're really doing is uh, mm. displacing the grief in another way, no, or it, grief or, or anger or whatever it really? is. Because, again, I found this out the hard way. I used to have loads of jokes about... I still do have jokes about reasonably dark events in my life, but I've now, I now understand that I'm not actually doing myself a favour by doing mm. that. For years, I thought I was turning the bad stuff into art in a way that was sort of win-win for everyone. But that's a delusion for yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely. If you don't deal with the actual stuff. Yeah, I mean, because all, all really that's happened is it's just the process. Like, you, you might think, oh, well, I'm turning myself inside out and there's some real truth here. Mm. You know, and, and no, all it is is, well, you saw some things, now you've recorded them and you're a good writer, so it's interesting. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. again, it can be entertaining for other people. It doesn't really get no, you. No, it does nothing, nothing for you. Like, I mean, I, I used to... The, the only bit of... <laughs> and, and even close to finding some emotional core to, like, telling jokes about my father or about the concept of suicide because it, it really just left me numb to that idea mm. for years. So, like, people would come to me thinking I knew something... Well, when I was a teenager, people would come to me thinking I knew something about mental health. No, no one knew less mm. than I did. I just knew the words. I couldn't yeah. feel shit. Yeah, you know, um, and the way <laughs> the way that this manifested, I still remember because I I did this at Edinburgh and I saw Kate Copstick lose her mind at this bit. This is a well known reviewer. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, yes. uh, well, a, a former Scottish goth um, as yes. well, because I just went the only like, I, I, you know, like it's not super funny, but it was it was kind of accurate. Was the only real thing that came out of it that I could feel was that when I was finally dating. I was dating goth girls and I could go, I know about death. And they'd be like, oh, you know, yeah. just, he's really, and then, yeah, I just sort of cry while fucking, you know, my father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heavy price to pay just to, to uh, as a, for a chat line, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it worked at the time. Oh, but it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, depression. My dad had that. Mm. <laughs> People will often, there's this, um, you know, quite common internet trope of like, oh, maybe it's a Twitter thing of, you know, men will, uh, do anything rather than go to therapy. Yeah. Men will do this. And would you say it's a specifically male or male skewed quality to think that there's some glory or or something useful in the idea of mining the depths of your emotion on stage in a public way rather than, you know, actually dealing with the emotions through therapy or, or, or something? Um, yeah. Because I find it, well, like, like all of these... Uh, kind of generalizations you instinctively are resistant to them although I am because I think well I, I I'm in therapy I talk about my emotions all the time but again I have to reflect that for at least 15 years I just thought that doing stand-up was as good yeah. as dealing with my feelings um what is it about men that makes us even when we're working through stuff we have to do it to applause or to some sort of recognition do you think well I, I don't know like I used to I think I don't know either by the well, way no, like, but I mean I, I used to <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, good. What the fuck is the matter with it? Oh, I, I would hate it if, uh, you know, we, we were just going to solve it in one go. No, to be that clear, sort of podcast really shits me, to yeah, be honest no, with you. Um, that's right. And also the podcast yeah. is not some sort of quiz where you get a score no, or anything. Like correct. <laughs> yeah, These are not um, multiple choice answers. No, no, I've got some aphorisms that are super helpful. Come on. No, um... For me, it's like I used to think I was in touch with my emotions mm. because I felt them and, and, I, and I felt I was talking about what was going on. Exactly. Same. And, and I wasn't. Yeah, I was just loud. You know, I was yeah. loud and I've got the physiognomy of a cartoon character. You know, people sort of think, oh, well, John. It's like, eh. you know, like John's super angry. John doesn't feel shit. John didn't feel a damn thing. I just yeah. was like, oh, I believe the situation calls for me to be annoyed. Right. Um, as for as for what you're saying, I mean, I can relate to it because that entire vainglorious, you know, look at what I'm doing. I've held my face to the crucible. I'm really yeah. feeling it. It's doing it. Mm. Well, I've, I've, I mean, Christ, I did that for the last few years. Like I had had a breakdown and in an effort to feel alive again my work became more extreme than it had ever been. Yeah, so I like, did notice that. Yeah, yeah, everyone <laughs> noticed it. Bloody Stu Goldsmith was the one who messaged me when I didn't take a day off in 2020 and went, mm. you know, John, you, you don't actually owe them any more than the show, John. Yeah, I'd like to have sent that message, but I was also not taking a day off in 2020 yeah, for the yeah. exact same reason. Yeah, yeah well, I, was, I was trapped in it with you. Yeah. Both of us were doing I know. super long things. We've got a lot in common. Yeah, yeah. We, I know we do. Like, both of us <laughs> default to just pushing through harder if, yeah. if we feel something's wrong. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like you and I can relate because you are, the, you are comedy's marathon man, right? And you always have been. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. suggesting that those the marathon shows in particular are some well, sort of response to or, or denial no, of your, yours aren't. No, <laughs> but mine are. Well, I mean, <laughs> when I see you're doing another 36 hours for charity, I sometimes think the charity will be all right, John. Yeah. Well, uh, we're not physically doing one of those ever again. I hope the, not. The 50 hour show, the last one we just did in my house. The best part was I looked up at one point, and a bunch of my friends and just people who were helping who've just been really good for me um were just all sort of gathered kind of having a party and they were just happy for a moment and the show had gone so long that other things could happen around yeah and that was just a really great human moment but then when it was done because the object of the exercise doing those shows is just to break me right but when it was done everyone was injured and everyone was sick yeah and i can't do it again mm. yeah like at, like at all and uh, yeah god just the, the, the days and days and days of shaking and yeah. none yeah. of it necessary really. no no yeah. but but i mean you know the charity's got some good stuff and that was good and you know i sort of let, let's just put it this way uh, it's a little embarrassing to uh, throw yourself at a sort of uh, martyrdom you know well, this is <laughs> from a thing, comfortable yeah. gaming chair <laughs> oh the yeah. amount that you've raised charities is absolutely extraordinary but again uh, like the artistic forms of expression we've been talking about Big fundraising efforts do cover a multitude of sins, eh? Like, if yeah. you, you can put yourself through all sorts of stuff under the rationale of charity, but once again, you have to ask, well, why am I, well, yeah. why am I doing this? The charity didn't specifically ask no. me to put myself through this misery. Well, you well know? sometimes, like, well, the reason I did charity work is because it turned out you could do that on Twitch. Like, yeah. nothing I'd ever done otherwise doing comedy had ever had any actual value other than some people were entertained. So, you know, it had the value of I went and I performed my task. Mm. This was a, a good thing to do. And then, of course, you know, we're all in lockdown and you just go, a good thing to do. God, it'd be nice to have anything to do, let yeah. alone a good thing. And then the overcommitment and, yeah, and you just break yourself. It and sort the of comes back to this thing you are saying about your dad. Yeah. Again, the, 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 your dad's mentality. Go yeah. to the office get the work done, and yeah. yet all this time your dad was, as you say, struggling with these yeah. oh. terrible with depression. and Oh, horrifying. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I always end up asking about religion because I'm very interested in it and because of my own history. But um, it's, un- well, it's, it's in fact not uncommon, but it's, it's a sort of mentally taxing thing to imagine someone holding religious faith and, well, practicing as a priest and stuff, but also, you know, being so depressed at the same time because mm. we all assume that uh, religion and faith and things, you know, give you give you an out, give you give you some sort of hope that most of us don't necessarily have. Do, do, do you ever, do you have a handle on where your dad was mentally in terms of like holding all of these personalities in his head at one time? Oh. Not personalities. No, I suppose uh, not personalities. Well, no. It was a snap diagnosis. <laughs> well, not just the personalities, but the... Just like, lots of conflicting feelings and emotions well, there. Yeah, but also a priest is a is a thing, isn't yeah. it? Is, is a, a role. Yeah, which, but I mean, we were um, we were essentially low Anglican, so yeah. you know, it was you know. It, You're right. Personalities is the yeah. wrong word, but well, I suppose mm. what I mean is Outlook. people. Yeah, people look to a priest to mean yeah. mean a thing which is almost irreconcilable with. Well, I mean, yeah, but Jesus felt like shit. You yeah, know? but he, but, he, but it's based on that. We put him through a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Speak we did, but you know, but like, no, of course it's true. That, uh, yeah, Christianity, but that's, is, but that's is, the human the bedrock the hu- of human yeah. suffering. Well, that's which, it—the human yeah. part of it, you know. And yeah. I, I, oh, 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 I've just, I've just made a sort of connection that my therapist makes occasionally, and then he says it, and I always think, "You self-congratulating cunt! How yeah. dare you!" You know, he because he'll occasionally do like a callback, like he was doing a stand-up show, and I'm sort of like, "No, you've just remembered a thing from 45 minutes ago. That doesn't mean anything." But like would you think like Jesus is meant to be half human, right? And that's the yes, bit that both can human feel and pain, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's the thing that's suffering. Yes. And my father's favorite character in Star Trek was Mr. Spock, who was half there you go. <laughs> had learned to be emotionless and could feel extreme pain. No, but um <laughs> like I don't know I don't know where he was with God. What I know is that my dad was he was there to look after people. He was there to sort of provide advice and he was there. He hated the idea of um, the supernatural, 
in religion. That was a thing. Like I remember because there were all these video game arcade machines around when I was a kid and I found the uh, Dungeons and Dragons Capcom beat-em-up and I went, Mum, there's a cleric like Dad. And Mum Mum wasn't much given to swearing being a priest's wife, but she came over and went, don't show your father, he hates that shit. Yeah. Right, and she didn't mean like satanic panic D and D. She was like, "No, don't say your dad's a wizard. He doesn't like this, you yeah. know." Like he, for him, it was just you know, it was about, the human side, yeah, the human side, and about dealing with emotions because he was he was a you know he was a real man. Like he, it would be like, and when I say a real man, I just mean he was a person who had interests other than his job. You know, he did what he could to look after his family. He was that you could tell when he thought something had gone too far or he'd gone too far because he dropped the word fuckhead, mm-hmm. which was interesting. My mum's got a nice note from him uh, with some flowers. With, Sorry about that. I can be a real fuckhead sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, he'd go to the bedding shop and, you know, in his, in his bloody flip-flops and his shorts and, you know, have a top time doing that. But I think, I, I, think, I think all I'm really doing is I'm just going, well, religion is just like any other thing that you yeah, use to bolster yourself. Sure. And, you know, for me it's like, well... I saw my dad then as just a sort of machine, you know, that was doing these things and then he would be my father and he loved me and all this. And then I, I look at it and I, if I put how I feel about life on it, well, this was just a man who was in extreme pain and throwing himself into work because that'll dull it. Right. Again, and something that we, which we've talked yeah, about. Exactly. Yourself, so. Yeah. And it, it's just a series of coping mechanisms. And I don't think that the divine offers anything more than any other version of it. Like, I mean, yeah. I, all of my coping mechanisms that, that have made me, you know, some of them make me feel bloody tremendous. And I've spoken to God. This is, this, I spoke to God one time, you know. Right. Yeah, it was great. We, directly? Yeah, directly to God, yeah, right. which is a contact crazy... detail. Well, <laughs> he, he rocked up one time and we had the most facile conversation that went like this. Do you like it when I play the Tiger Lily's song Banging in the Nails? And he went, no, stop it and I'll give you something you want. And I got the thing I wanted. And then a few years later I went, oh, it's really annoying skipping it on Spotify. Can I play it? And God went, I don't care. And that was it. Right. That was my connection to the divine. And how did this happen? And like, under what influence did you have this chance? Oh, I was ill. Like yeah, that, that was it. I, um, I, it was in my breakdown and I, I was, I'd gone outside to look at the moon and I was talking to the moon. I see, right. And I decided that that Which was... Which is where God lives, to be yeah, fair. Well, I think that's, it's, yep. it's in the he Bible. He was there. Yeah. He's a very cheesy man. He <laughs> and Santa are up there. They listen to Elvis. He pops by and, um, yeah, no, it was an, an interesting thing because I realised that what I'm saying is, is crazy. Because uh, it is. Uh, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, mm. that conver- I mean, the, the voice of God arrived in that internal monologue that sounds suspiciously like me. Yeah. But I went, okay, well, even if nothing's happened there, I've dealt on a really facile level with something I, I wanted to deal with. Mm, there's acknowledgement know? there, isn't there? Yeah, there's something. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, like this, is, this isn't me going. And then a full-blown freakout happened. Or, no, no, you don't understand. There yeah. were aliens. You don't understand. No, yeah. it, it's just me going, look... If you got me by the throat now and screamed, God does live on the moon, then yeah. it would be a game changer for the podcast. And I'd have an erection, <laughs> yeah. so let's not, uh, <laughs> let's not worry about that. Do, where does your kind of draw to the darkness come from? Oh, I mean, it's just aesthetically pleasant, and I've always... I always liked it when I was a kid, because, like, if you watch He-Man, for instance... Not the first time He-Man's come yeah, up. Yeah, but... No, it's interesting how some of these... Mm. Yeah. Some of these guys, uh, we were all 
influenced to some degree by cartoons. Oh, absolutely. And, well, know. why, would, why yeah. wouldn't you be? You know, like yeah. they're, they're, all, they're, you know, you consume them. They're pre- presentations of great extremes. Yeah. You know, like, why, why, it's a very interesting thing to do. Mm, absolutely. And, and yeah, Skeletor is just as muscular as He-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, he he laughs a lot. He's got his own band <laughs> of friends. He's got a sense of humour, yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. And the, the only difference is that he lives in a shit place and he doesn't wish to. And mm. I don't see anything intrinsically wrong with that. No, many of us have had that experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, like that's the thing that I like. Like I've just been listening to an audiobook of Dracula because one of the earliest things I liked was and I don't know where I saw what a vampire was, but I went, That's that's good. Mm. I like Dracula. That's that's good. Werewolves were too hairy. Like this was a thing. It was like so this this sort of strong spectral figure. Well, right. it it's also hairy. a very gay yeah. book, isn't it, Dracula? Oh, yeah, very gay. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we've just reached the bit where he says to the uh, his daughters, "Get off him, he's mine." Yes. How dare you and how, touch him? How can I penetrate not through a vagina? That's mm. what that's what that whole book's about. Yeah, it's funny how often there yeah. are when there are modern adaptations, they'll you know they'll cast uh, queer characters or whatever, and people are furious, saying, yeah. "How can you deface this ancient work of literature?" And they, they've never looked into how gay yeah, the, the book was oh, originally. It's the gayest yeah. of the gay. Ah, uh, yeah. It's not a, just it's Dracula. Whitby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so many things. I mean, God, like yeah. Frankenstein, you know, which invents science fiction, is Mary Shelley sitting down going, all right, okay, you boys, well, they're fucking, I'll <laughs> just invent a genre again. <laughs> yeah. Look into the distance. Stop crying, Percy. <laughs> oh, it's true. Um, but yeah, as for um, as for dark stuff, I, I mean, I just always liked it. I, I like for me, the the good punchline is always then they died. You know, mm. ha ha, death. Well, that's what, that's kind of where yeah. I, what I was kind of going towards, I suppose, mm. is that whenever people think about darkness or or the gothic yeah, vibes, yeah, yeah. the focus is people think, oh, well, they're just they're thinking about death all the time. No, uh, is that what you? Is that yeah? What's your relationship with that? Oh no, I mean, like goths um, are. Well, they're just people. They're just very happy people with an aesthetic choice. And, you know, often often quite aware of their mental health and they, they talk mm. about their feelings and they're involved in that. I mean, when you're a teenager and you get involved in it, very tiresome. Mm. You know, it's, Too many feelings. Oh, well, I mean, most of them are bullshit, what's coming at you, because it's somebody just is like, yes, it's the first time this has ever happened. Just, mm. just calm down. It's fine. All right. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that she's... Okay, while you were doing S&M, I know she said you were a sub. It's not a permanent condition. <laughs> you know, this is these are actual quotes. Um, <laughs> you know, this sort of thing. Some of this might have involved me, but I've just said it was someone else. <laughs> anyway, um, no, like, I, I just find... Like, my wife was the one who brought skulls as a bit of iconography into the home, and I, I find that sort of thing interesting and, you know, like... I, I just have always enjoyed it. it. It pleases me on an aesthetic level. And when I was younger and I was trying to... I was trying to reconcile a degree of physical force that I didn't have mm. at the time or felt like I didn't have because I'd gone to a school where sport was very prided and it just seemed really stupid. This That was the problem, was just how stupid this obsession with it was, right? Because, you know, when it's just this stultifying, no, you do it because it's good, yeah. right? It's not an answer. Right, like I'd been a rugby player. Yeah, you know? I wasn't a deeply athletic person, but I, you know, I could go and play a game. Yeah, but games are for fun, right? The idea of this sort of militarized, we're going to go do this, this, this joyless shit, did nothing for me. Yeah, and you know, as a result, people were stronger than me, or they were bigger than me, or whatever. Mm. And the way that I asserted myself was by being off-putting, and being more willing, perhaps, to at least express the idea that I might hurt you in a 
in, in a way that's excessive for what's being required because it's that difference between, yeah, look, you're going to beat the shit out of me, but I will bite you. Mm. You know, like I'm going to, you know, like you keep calling me gay, you're homophobes. So obviously I've got AIDS. I will fucking, I once ripped off my fingernail uh, with, a, with a homophobic boy and I went, oh yeah, and I just flicked blood into his eyes. And that all, uh, we were great friends after that. That's a very good equaliser. <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly have to have a conversation after that. Oh, yeah. absolutely, because he, he went, oh, you flicked blood in my eyes. That's not cool. And I went, you're a homophobe. That's not cool. And then the next time we saw each other, he was like, how are you? How you doing? Yeah, very well. Very and well. Again. Yeah, yeah it's, things are fine. Classic. I do have other nails, mate. <laughs> you know, but, um, Real male relationship oh, yeah. forming. Oh, the, look, the amount of parties I've gone to that are essentially... All right, we've gotten the two rudest men in the room to go talk to each other, and it's always me and someone else, and we go and we give each other a horrible time, and then we just have a real have a great friendship after that. And God, I find that shit exhausting. <laughs> any of my friends who've listened to that have gone, "That's how we met." I find you exhausting. Fuck off. And then <laughs> there we go, and now they'll feel I've expressed affection. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just um, I, I gravitated towards. Like I, I got my mum to get me a trench coat because I liked them, and then um, the Columbine massacre happened. And then I, people were scared of me in my little trench coat. And it was really useful. It was the first time I felt I had some degree of space mm. in my life. And, you know, it's just one of those things. G- given the number of different spheres mm. that you, as you say, run in, what are, we always ask this, don't we, but um, who or what are, are men that you these days regard as good examples of masculinity? This is, this is, we go full circle now because this was the question to which you came up as an answer. Oh, so the dream is that you mention someone who in turn becomes a future mm. guest and then there's this <laughs> crowd-pleasing thread. But not for like three mm. years, so we don't fully remember what you said about it. Ah, <laughs> a crowd-pleasing thread. We, we used to couch it in terms of male role models and it became an unsatisfactory way of asking yeah. the question. So it, it, more broadly, just well, who are men or masculine-ish figures that you admire? Well, posi- well, positive. Like, I mean, there are men that I know. I've got a... Um, oh, yeah, that's sort of... I mean, it yeah. normally is people that you know yeah, these yeah. days. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Because I normally, when I think about... Like, I had to examine all of the, all of the authors on my bookshelf and all, the, all of my musicians. And I, I really like flawed men. I like broken men trying to express themselves and of course they're so broken that they've had the wherewithal to produce a great deal of art and make Mm. a lot of money and you know quite often go to therapy but I wouldn't say any of them are necessarily positive like Mm. um or like I admire the artistry of these people yeah it's different from seeing them as a good good example well it's like if I mean you can watch if you can handle it I'm just going to say I admire his art I don't know enough about him to go but you can watch an entire man's life happen if you listen to some of the um, music of Loudon Wainwright III. Uh, this was a guy who in the 70s yeah. had a song called Dead Skunk, right? An autobiographical singer-songwriter. And it's fascinating because, like, you're there... D- sometimes it's very... Have you come f- across Rufus Wainwright? I uh, know of. Yeah, right. he, it's, it's, it's Rufus's it's dad. It's his dad. Sure. I thought that might be a way in for you because the gays really, really like Rufus. <laughs> yeah. I'm rightly so. He, he's well, well, they did 20 years ago. Or, Time marches on. I <laughs> suppose so. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not for Rufus's <laughs> face, though. He is adorable. Um, <laughs> but yes, Loudon Wimmer was a very, very complicated figure. Yeah, right? hugely. Um, well, because, it, well, yeah, like you could tell a, an absent, emotionally distant shit father... Right, mm. and sometimes... Yes, some of Rufus's songs are very much about yeah, that. Yeah, and sometimes his attempts to chronicle that are too clinical or they're sil- they're not feeling mm. enough and then there are just some things but it's an interesting way of looking at a flawed man yeah trying just, to chronicle his life through art it shows it shows both the beauty of the art that you can produce 
and how flawed a method this is. Precisely, especially because, and it brings us back to our discussion yeah. of our own flawed attempts, mm. a lot of Loudon Wainwright songs are like silly, stupid, yeah. f- comic, like crude comic songs. Yes, yes. So you can absolutely see how mm. they're a way of not expressing stuff, yeah. basically. But when he, um, when, he, when he does make something, because I've seen him live, in, when I saw him in 2008, it was yeah. the best concert I'd ever seen. Oh, I've never seen live. His song, um, A Father and a Son, about his relationship with his boy, uh, is really terrific. And I don't mean in... Because there's Cat Stevens' father and son, mm. which is really about two archetypes talking to each other. Mm. This yeah. is a much more specific thing of a man trying to explain through a beautiful song why he's distant. And, and it, mm. it, it, he's just going, I can't do it. You know, my father couldn't, I can't. Yeah. And it's very sad as a result. And, you know, then he, his attempts to grieve the absence of his dad, this song Four Mirrors, where he's just talking about the mirrors in his house and in his car when he'd gone to visit his dad's old house after he died and sort of ca- catching glimpses of him. It, it's all fairly, it's, yeah. it's interesting mm. stuff. Um, I don't know how helpful it was for him necessarily, but I'm just saying in terms of getting a snapshot of a man mm. yeah. and the full length of his life, because he's a relentless chronicler, it's a mm. fascinating thing. We have a, we have yeah. a, classic, a classic final question, but I, I yeah. kind of want to add a, a second. Oh, sorry, just, no, just, onto just, the, well, just before you go, positive, positive. Uh, oh, yeah, my, sure, friend, yeah. my friend Brad. My friend Brad's yes, amazing. Thank God for Brad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Brad. Brad's bloody incredible. Uh, Brad is like just a a redoubtable, gentle figure, uh, capable of handling his own affairs, mm. which I think is one of the most important things, right? And I, when I say capable of handling his own affairs, I don't mean bounding it all up just as yourself. I mean, well, the bits that he can do without inconveniencing other people, he will do. Mm. If he requ- if he needs help, he will request it. Mm. He doesn't demand anything. I feel all of this is a remarkable thing. Yeah, such simple yeah. things to ask of someone. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so rare to find. The day that the turkey was eaten by the fox was one of the finest things I've ever seen. It was just that was his breaking point. No, he didn't break, but it was just just fun watching a man sort of go, ah, <laughs> I see that. This has happened. <laughs> mm. And then just go and quietly solve the problem. Sure. You know. Adaptation. Yeah, calm. yeah. A- adaptation and calm is, is a thing. These might be things that Sorry. come up. They might come up, but the question yeah. I was going to ask about before the final question was, what draws you to damaged art, I suppose? Oh, I mean, my therapist um, would go, oh, well, it's obviously your relentless quest for your father or <laughs> some father figure. And I used to really deny that that was the case because that seemed like such an obvious cliche. Mm. But no, they, it really is an attempt this is the thing with therapists. Often they are yeah. right with the cliches. Yeah, it's just well, you're too proud to. Yeah, that's it. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm not so special that you yeah. know this thing that's worked for millions of others exactly. won't yeah. also work for me. Mm-hmm. I also breathe oxygen. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What a cliche. Um, but the the way I used to say it when I was younger and felt really insecure in what I was trying to do is I I was picking heroes that I thought this is what I said at the time, but I, I thought that on their on my best day and on their worst day, I could beat them, right? Because some of their work, you could see the fault, mm. right? And then you grow up and you go, my God, the amount of stuff these people have achieved. And yeah, some of this, some of this music isn't so good and not every book they wrote is good, but they made it, yeah. you know, and it was published and that's an achievement. Yeah. And this is all incredible. Like, if, you know, if you've managed to do enough that you can release a really, a real fucking stinker of a song, you know, yeah, to even have a body of work big enough that people can say, well, this stuff isn't as good yeah. as that. Oh, it's, it's an incredible. achievement in itself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that sort of like, I used to find a great deal of solace in looking at art and going, oh, that's shit. 
you know, and all, all you're really saying is, oh, I hope I could do, hope I could do better than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, and now I sort of just go, well, I, I, I've clearly demonstrated my love for this artist by the amount of stuff I've listened to or talked about. And I can go, yeah, that one's pretty crap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's things like, I, I realized one day I was like, oh, gee, I really like Warren Zevon. You know, I, I like his silly song about werewolves and I like the kind of ironic song where he's got his guns and he's like this. And I like these songs where he's sad and, I'm reading about him. I read his wife's book and I went, okay, I don't like him so much now. <laughs> uh, because, so often with someone's wife's book. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You go, okay. But then you just come away from it and you realize, well, his family, when he was ill, they all loved him. They just recognized this was an alcoholic, you know, and he had blackouts and he could be violent and all of these awful things. Mm. And I'm there going, oh, uh, a short man talking about gore. I wonder why I like him. <laughs> oh, he reminds me of me. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but he has a gun. I would like a gun. <laughs> it's that you know? simple sometimes, isn't yes. it? It's either about your dad or about you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, like people who've known me over years will be like, oh, thank fuck, he finally found room for his dad in it. Yeah, yeah. It used Not to be entirely just about all him. him. Yes. <laughs> and we should ask our final question as yep, we hurdle okay. towards the conclusion, which yep. is um, the three qualities that you would build into a person, could be a man, could be anybody, mm. um, to, to thrive best in this world. Yeah. There should be an instinctive sense that is 100% accurate at all times uh, when you no longer have to put up with abuse, right? And that should be tied to an ability to leave immediately. This, this I specifically say because a lot of women in my life have been through, they've had terrible, terrible experiences with people, and it's one of those things where you go, oh, no, that's all of you. you that's happened to all of you. And you've all felt like you couldn't go or, or whatever for whatever reason, right? Just to survive the ability to go, no, no, that's it, mm. and leave calmly and well, mm. you know. So the ability to leave. Just is, the ability is, to is leave how you would describe is it a very important thing. Yeah, yeah just, just the ability to go. The ability to have access to an incredible amount of force and not use it, Right. Is, is a good thing. You should be able to leave. You should be able to back yourself up, right, with, with whatever that is, you know, like, and again, this is me expressing, you know, the sense of an absent father. It's like, well, oh, you're doing this to me. My dad will beat you up. No, he won't. He's dead. So like an, un, an unused force. Yeah. And I, well, that's it. It's like, sort of like, well, you know, like this, yeah. mm, this, this might happen, but several of you will die, you know, which is a thing. Um, and, but the, the most important part is not using that. Yeah, so you it's know, a perception that you could yeah. restraint. Well, that's it. Yeah. Like all of my little school friends, they would have their divorced dads always beat the wives, and or they'd beat them. And you're like, oh, well, you're a coward. You've got nothing. You know, you couldn't. They never, never fought anyone their size. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you do that, that's not a rationale for justice in any way. You know, my yeah. God. And then yeah, so the ability to leave, the ability to back yourself up, and then. Um, Oh, this is such a crap answer, but, you know, why not? I'm a Star Trek fan. Oh, empathy. There you go. Actually, one of the most common answers in the Yeah, we actually have somebody who does a spreadsheet of these hair, so I imagine they'll have Empathy is winning the the overall score. So if that is a crap answer, then it's... uh, Then we've had a lot of idiots on (laughs) the Well, I mean, I I, I do feel, having, having just sort of said some moderately revealing things, the desire to then now 
negate it slightly by saying something faintly disgusting. So why not? Of course I picked empathy. I've wanted to fuck Councillor Troy since I was a boy. There, there, there we go. go. There Thank you. That's good. <laughs> uh, that sums up the podcast well. God, really. that felt better. <laughs> Lord. The I profound feel... and the sexual. That's mankind. Oh, oh, no, that's delightful. Uh, so where can people find you if they want to? Not postcodes, thinking more online. Ah, thank you very much. for Or, not... in, or on tour. Oh, uh, well, if you go to thejohnrobertson.com, uh, you can find all of my tour dates. I'm all around the UK for the rest of 2023. Uh, you can go to Robotron, R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N, on Twitter. That's also me on Twitch, where you can see me virtually every single day doing high-octane velocity, you know, high-octane improv with people. And yeah, the dark... And it is virtually as well. Yep, yep. Yeah, the dark room's on tour. And um, oh, and if, if you feel like it... Um, just uh, go into your local bookshop or Google and write the little town of Marrowville. That's Marrow is in bone marrow. And you can um, read my book um, that I wrote for children where as you read it, you'll go, hmm, he really did feel that way about the men uh, in his town. Oh, all of the men are these large, paunchy, violent things. Why is that, do you think? A lovely book, though. I do recommend it if oh, you have thank children. thank you very much. Well, you yeah, have to have children. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. you. And... Uh, Good luck going forward. (laughs) (laughs) Feels appropriate to say. We'll be in touch. (laughs) Thank you very much to John for joining us. Do find him online. Um, At all those places he mentioned, he is... Well, he's just fab, isn't he? He's great. And um, these very, very long streams that he does uh, are are worth tuning into his his channel. All the stuff he does is, is... Amazing. Actually, I think a lot of people listening to the podcast might be aware of him because of the way he overlaps with me. But if not, yes, support John. And support us. By doing what, Mark? Never stop supporting us. That goes without saying. <laughs> Don't ever get so attached to one of these guests that you stop caring about us. Otherwise, <laughs> well, what you can if you do, can't divide your attention, don't pay any attention to them. Is what we're absolutely saying. right. You, sure. you remain loyal to us uh, to the exclusion of everyone else, however, <laughs> however uh, good a guest they might be. Um, well, you can follow us at if you are somehow not already, despite our <laughs> endless entreaties, you can follow Mankind Podcast at Mankind Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can write to us, which some people do. I love those emails. Yes, you can email us. I mean, sometimes people send just kind of, I suppose, fan emails, which are appreciated, but also people chat about their own experiences and things that have been brought up by them. And we do read them. We, um, well, actually, yeah, we don't get loads, so it would be really rude if we didn't read all of them, but we do. And <laughs> if you felt so inclined and wanted to get some more bonus content, I'd head on over to patreon.com forward stroke mankind podcast, where we have various bits and bobs, including extra special icks from our guests I think we should thank actually the, the small hardcore people who remained uh, on the Patreon even though it didn't produce anything for absolutely months but now it is, it is vibrant once more however they do also currently have two bonus episodes which no one else yet has because we recorded our fringe episodes last year um, with the brilliant Jordan Gray and Ruben Kay and they are currently on the Patreon right now if you want to go and listen to them yes that oh, is a nice plug that it was a really nice plug and you should start to wish we'd done that in an earlier episode there. <laughs> but, uh, yes get on the Patreon and there will be quite literally two unheard by you episodes just sitting there waiting well we'll leave you to do that in the next week and we'll see you on Monday ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.